You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify. Today, I am joined with two of the most frequent flyers on the SPNY podcast, the NBA outsiders themselves. That's John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani. And when they're back on the pod, that means one thing and one thing only. NBA season is in our reach. Training camps are around the corner. Media days have taken place. And we're here to talk about our most intriguing teams entering the NBA season. But what also just happened was another football Sunday. Week four in the NFL was bonkers. We had the Rams get beat by the Bucks. The Chiefs almost beat by the Lions. The Colts couldn't beat the Raiders at home. And a plethora of other fun stuff happened, including Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones, 2-0 as a starter for the New York Giants. So we do some quick-hitting stuff on the NFL and Week 4 about the Giants and around the league. But then it's hardcore basketball on the Sports Blog New York podcast with your boys, John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and me, the NBA's most intriguing teams, right here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So stay tuned, stay with us, hit us up on Twitter at SportsBlogNYC, my personal at P. Kennedy with two Ys, and most of all, Enjoy the show. All right, here we go. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Joined with my guys. It's been... Far too long, but the NBA Outsiders are back because the NBA season is almost back. Media Day started, people. Media Days. People in their jerseys. They're practicing together. Practices have started. Training camp is around the block. And that means that John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani are here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. My guys, what are up? What is up, Petey Peppers? Wow. This is great. I'm so happy to have you guys back. Frank, what's good with you, bro? I didn't hear you there. I said, how we doing? it's good to be back that's what i'm talking about it's awesome to be back i mean i think i'm trying to think the last time we did a pod it must have, must have been post Kawhi and paul george to the clippers i think right before russ to the rockets like we didn't quite catch that because all that the, was in the same night as our last pod right it was that exact day so all that nba stuff happened early in the summer it feels like an eternity ago i mean i feel like the the sport it was the sportless summer i mean baseball was pretty what much kind of like Meh, all summer, right? Like the Yankees were running away with the division. The Mets kind of stunk until midway through the summer. It was a sportless summer for me. And the fact that football's back and now basketball, I can like feel it. I can reach out and touch like a piece of it. I'm getting very, very excited. Me too. I, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of, of uh, Boogie, his obligatory Laker pictures, even though he can't play this year. Uh, but he just looks super sad. That, that's That was me like the last like month and a half I'd say pretty much just sad boogie Frank Volani over here I love that he's getting the bag so they make him pose for those pictures <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much you, but, you do uh, got to feel bad though when a guy like that you know grinds back to get back from a pretty bad injury in the first place and then all of a sudden makes it back and then makes it worse again and is back on the IR if you will and you really hate to see it. And even though he had some other stuff come up in the news that wasn't so good. Yeah, we're going to leave that right. to the side and talk about actual sports <laughs> today because that's not what we're doing here on the Sports Blog New York Podcast. Oh, yeah. Stick to sports, dude. Exactly. Oh, so, John Shut Lucas Duffy. Dribble, 
Exactly. Hey, you know, sometimes you just got to mention it. You're not going to talk about it. You got to mention it. But John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani here with me today. We're we're about to get into some some real NBA talk. We're going to do a bunch of, uh, you know, I don't want to say top line because we are going to talk deeply about certain teams. But our plan for the NBA talk today is to talk about our most intriguing teams entering this NBA season. We'll get more into that later. You know, we're not going to talk about the Clippers and the Lakers right now. Basically because they're going to be such a heavy topic of conversation basically on every other preview podcast that you listen to that we do from this point on forward. But we're going to talk about those other teams that have us real juiced up for this NBA season. But before we get to the NBA stuff, there's some NFL things that really do need to be talked about just for a little bit. So let's start with our backyard playing in MetLife Stadium. Daniel Jones was able to lead the New York Giants to its second win in a row, people. Second win in a row. Danny Dimes, 2-0 as a starter. Blah, blah. And, you know, we were talking before the podcast started, and Frank was saying kind of how weeks one and two, you really, you know, what were you saying? You, you didn't feel obligated to even turn the Giants game on. You didn't feel drawn to it's actually like, watch it. What, what, explain that so that phenomenon. Yeah, just going into the season, I had this feeling like the Giants had an omen around their head with Eli still playing. You know, I, I love Eli. I'll always love Eli. It's not about that. It's just like the team hasn't been very good with him under helm lately. It just seems like, you know, they needed somebody who can move around. And we drafted a quarterback super high. And, you know, it's like if we're going to be bad, we might as well be bad with a guy who needs to as opposed to a guy who's, you know, on his way out. And, uh, I mean, it got me back into it. I watched week three. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch today. But, yeah, I mean – Danny Dimes, I'm in. There's a reason. I'm there's a reason for Giants fans to look forward to Sundays now. I mean, it's not like we're gonna now be actual division contenders. If you watch the Cowboys and Eagles, they're clearly much better than the Giants still, right? But if you look at yeah. the Giants this week and last week compared to weeks one and two, it, the, there's a completely different en- energy on the field, and that's large in part, if not all in part, to Daniel Jones playing quarterback now. And uh, to do a quick toot of my own horn. What I kind of expected out of Daniel Jones has come to fruition in weeks one and two, and you can go back and check out the last two pods we did. We talked a lot about them. Um, I noticed with young quarterbacks that are athletic, they do tend to lean on their legs just a little bit more than somebody who's been playing quarterback in the NFL for three-plus years. Whether it be a lack of comfort in the pocket or not willing to stand in the pocket quite as long, but they're able to move the pocket around. They're able to take the read option game into consideration where some of these older non-athletic quarterbacks like Eli Manning just cannot do. So it's making Pat Shermer's life easier. It's making his receivers and running backs life easier. The offensive linemen now have more, you know, they have a better motivation chance. to block and something to fight for exactly chance, there's honestly. everybody yeah. has a chance to make plays now and it's all because there's a young athletic quarterback who is making the the easy throws and then also using his athleticism to kind of make some more extraordinary plays for a young quarterback so off the bat those are some really awesome things now i know he threw two interceptions on sunday wasn't great uh top to bottom but had another set of great plays where he was hitting a bunch of intermediate routes. He was using his legs, and clearly that offense had an energy again in week two of Daniel Jones, and it's just fantastic to see the Giants play with some energy, some urgency, and to not just walk into a game thinking they have no chance to win anymore. And 
he has a lot of interceptions. There's still a lot of turnover issues, but he's just a young quarterback. So that kind of comes with the territory, just like a young point guard. Exactly. It's all uh, the same. Perfect, perfect uh, analogy there. Decision-making is a skill, right? Yep, for sure. So with Daniel Jones, obviously the one thing that people are still talking about is just the bait and switch from the media and how hardcore this guy was scrutinized right out of the draft, basically just for being drafted high, right? Like this guy was catching crap just because he was drafted in the top 10. If he was drafted 18th, people may have said, oh, wow, that's a good value. Like that's where he should have gone. If he was drafted, you know, late 20s, people would have said, oh, that's a steal. That could be the steal of the draft. But these perceptions really do affect the way people think about somebody. And if we're being honest, like most of these people on TV and on the radio did not watch Daniel Jones in college. You know, they just didn't. They saw him play once or twice, maybe, maybe. And then a couple YouTube clips. So this bait and switch has been completely evident and it's been uh, fun and interesting and frustrating to hear everybody's new opinions on Daniel Jones. Uh, Dove, how do you feel this, you know, how do you, how do you feel a perception from draft day to now to him actually playing can affect him moving forward and how fans and media kind of look at him? I think now, even though he's draft, he was, like you said, he was number six, right? So he, was taken too high, but no one expected much from him really. And then the preseason, he did really well. So everyone, the, the script completely flipped just off of like one preseason game, which is pretty insane. But Dang he now kind of has, he 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 now kind of has like this under underdog edge to him, which is really interesting because you wouldn't think about that for like a top ten pick in the first round, uh, especially for a quarterback. But he went to Duke. Like he didn't go to Oklahoma. He didn't go to you know, Oregon, he didn't go to, you know, Texas A&M, wherever, like he didn't go to a big school. But I think that that works in his favor because there wasn't a lot of tape on him in in college. So now defenses are playing catch up every time they try to see him week to week. Cause you know what? I bet you all these pundits on TV weren't watching him. And I bet you those coaches weren't watching him either. Like they can say what they want to say and everyone has an opinion. Right. But no one really knows until they see him uh, in person. Exactly. And that, I mean, it has been to his benefit now that he's in the NFL and the more and more people see him, maybe it'll become more difficult for him to find success. But early on, clearly he's been able to reinvigorate an entire city basically, which is impressive to say the least. A larger point to the whole Duke thing. Like, yeah, I was waiting for you to get to that actually. Yeah. 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 So people, (laughs) people go crazy over where he went to school, but if, if you really take a step back and you think about all the quarterbacks we associate with, you know, ultimate success, right? It's the Super Bowl. You think of Tom Brady, uh, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, all these guys who make deep playoff runs. Tom Brady went to Michigan. He's pretty much the only outlier. He went to a, a power five school, but really Michigan hasn't been all that great. And he used to have to split time with another quarterback whose name I don't even remember. So, he went to Michigan. Nick Foles went to Arizona. Peyton Manning went to Tennessee, who hasn't been good since Peyton Manning was there. <laughs> Russell Wilson went to NC State. And Wisconsin. At, he had a transfer. And then Wisconsin. So you think of, like, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Florida State, schools like that, and Notre Dame. Like, you would expect big-time quarterbacks to come from, from those schools that have a ton of success, but it's never those schools. Like, NC State has put out – is more of a quarterback college than Alabama, LSU, Florida, Florida State, any of those schools. So you think of um, 
Russell Wilson, who went there, then transferred to Wisconsin. But they had Phil Rivers. They have Jacoby Brissett now in Indianapolis. Right. So Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. Drew Brees went to Purdue. Aaron Rodgers went to Cal Berkeley. So did Jared Goff. Uh, Joe Flacco went to Delaware. Uh, Mahomes and um, Lamar Jackson. Louisville and... uh, Mahomes was was A&M. Texas Tech. Yeah. Now it's only like the young quarterbacks. We'll see what they do with with, uh, Kyler Murray and Baker obviously going to Oklahoma. And then Deshaun Watson, who absolutely seems like the real deal, went to Clemson. So those are maybe the few big quarterbacks... Gonna, and gonna and those, those guys, are, interestingly enough, aren't even your prototypical quarterback. They're very much so. They in in like the traditional way of thinking, they were college style quarterbacks who are yeah, now changing. Runners. Like they're changing yeah. the NFL, and they're proving that they're not just runners. They are just athletic throwers. And even one of the most famous college football programs in in the country is USC, and they're known for having dud quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's what they're known for. Who's the best quarterback to come out of USC? Carson Palmer? Mm, yeah, Carson Palmer, Sam, maybe. Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam, yes. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez, Matt Barkley. Yeah, Matt Barkley had a great performance against the Patriots on Sunday. No, it's true. And, That's what I'm and, saying, though. Like, it's, it's the guys who do less or who do more with less. Like, Kurt Warner went to, like, Northern Iowa. He's been to, what, three Super Bowls? And and even yeah. think think about like the NFC East alone. Like, well, Dwayne Haskins is Ohio State now, so we'll see what happens with him. But Carson Wentz is North Dakota State. Uh, Dak Prescott was Ole Miss, like, and he was a fourth round pick, so he hardly Tony even counts. Tony Romo and Jimmy Garoppolo were Eastern Illinois. Yeah, like what's going on there? Wow. So these people, and that's changing in football in general. Like quarterbacks now who become quarterbacks at age twelve are are playing so much seven on seven, and maybe even flag in some situations, and they're just getting so many reps day in day out, year over year. That by the time they hit college, by the time they hit the pros, they've had you know, thousands and thousands of reps is just dropping into a pocket and, and throwing the ball and reading a defense and reading a zone and reading man man coverage. Like, these quarterbacks are all kind of coming in and finding some sort of success. Obviously, there are some people who come in and stink. But we're finding quarterbacks of all shapes and sizes from all sorts of programs. So there shouldn't be something held against Daniel Jones for where he went to school, despite his coach in Duke was the quarterback coach or the offense coordinator for Peyton and Eli. David Cut- uh, Cutcliffe. So these quarterbacks coming in from all over the country, they are all shapes and sizes, all styles, and there really shouldn't be a judgment held on any some any particular person because they came from a specific place or they look a certain way because we're seeing it now more than ever. Quarterbacks come in many different packages. It's fun to see. Like they say it's a copycat league, but clearly now everyone is showing if you can execute on whatever your style is, be it, you know, RPOs or play action, like the Rams do all the time. You want to spread it out like uh, like, like uh, the Browns, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to do, you can do it as long as you balance somewhat with the, with the run game, unless you're the Packers. But they can get away with it most of the time because they have Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, do you have one more uh, Duke take for us or analogy, Duff, before we start to move on? Was it was it the KP one? Yes, yeah. I think that was that, good. I yeah, want yeah, I want that, I want you to bring that Danny up. Danny Dimes, yeah. So Danny Dimes, the way everyone reacted to him, like in New York, people were treating it like it was an unprecedented thing. But we we had seen it like four years earlier with uh, Porzingis. Exactly, it was the exact same thing. He such went such third, a good he went analogy. To Latvia, though. 
now Duke is just a Latvia of, of college football. That's, that's amazing. It's like when we came across that revelation in, in our pre-show chit-chat, like I was just like, I couldn't help but chuckle. I'm like, Duke is the, is the Latvia of college football, and it makes the world of sense because you're seeing people from Latvia and Lithuania and Croatia and Serbia come into the NBA and find all sorts of success. So why can't a quarterback from Duke come into the NFL and find some success? That's maybe one of your top three analogies of all time, Duff. It's it's crazy that it, it's happened like year over year over year. Like all the time this has happened, except for like Joe Montana went to Notre Dame. But like Joe Montana? Terry Bradshaw, I'm pretty sure he went to like Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I believe like, so. Uh, your overall sentiment, I think it hits pretty hard. I think there have been like plenty of guys from those big schools that have had you know, a ton of success. But when you think about Super Bowl winners and like some of the guys that are, you know, considered in the great category, you know, some guys who are on their way to it, whatever, um, they don't seem to be the bigger school guys. They they generally don't. And who knows John if that's... went to Stanford. Yeah. And who... Steve Young mm-hmm. went to BYU. So did Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck with Stanford. Yeah. Stanford, yeah. Um, and who knows if that's like some sort of mental chip or like edge that these guys have because they feel like they were under-recruited, they never got the respect they deserved, and it kind of led them to become this hard-working future star. It, it could be some sort of mental and, and just, you know, the fact that there's good players all, all over the place, but who knows. But nonetheless... part of it, but then also in in, the, in college, when you're at those, like, like that top 1% of the 1% of schools, every player you have around you is just so much better awesome. than every other player on the other team. Right. Yep. So you don't know what it's like to play with like adversity and equal and even so playing for it. Usually yeah. equal level, like equal playing. Exactly. Ground, right? Like you're always playing with an advantage. So yeah, that's it's why, you know, Alabama stuff. quarterbacks too, right. Over the, the past 10 years, like there hasn't been a good Alabama quarterback. The last out. good Alabama quarterback was Joe Namath. Yeah, honestly, right. There, I said 10 years just to like give a number that we could all kind of comprehend, but it's true. There hasn't been a good Alabama quarterback basically ever. If you, if you count Joe Namath as a different lifetime, um, they've played with such an advantage because they have all five-star recruits on offensive line, the wide receivers, the running backs, the defensive line, the d- linebackers, everybody. Yep. So yeah, they think of like everybody. Georgia, they, their third string running back. It, it was like Alvin Kamara. That was, and that was Alabama ends up being like one of the best running backs in the, in the nah, league. He went to Tennessee and he transferred. He went to Alabama and was in the same backfield as Derrick Henry and TJ. Oh, Yeldon. Yeah. And then transferred out because he oh, wasn't okay. getting any pay. He wasn't getting playing time. So he left Alvin Kamara. Yeah. How about and that? Then Georgia was Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley. And, uh, yeah. and Sony, Sony Michelle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's pretty crazy. Yep. But wait, guys, we, I want to keep this, you know, somewhat moving in a direction here. So let's, let's jump off that conversation. The fact of the matter is the giants have something going. We're going to tune into them every week now. And it's a good thing. And we're excited. And it happened with KP. Now he's got to hope that Daniel Jones doesn't become Porzingis. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was like 15 minutes to get to two points. Yeah. AKA get hype for Danny Dimes and Duke is college football. Or sorry, the quarterback Latvia. Yeah, quarter, quarterback Latvia. I love that. Yeah. Um, last <laughs> yeah. thing I want to say about the NFL before we move on to our NBA talk today. Week four, man, what a freaking crazy week. Some of the games, most of the games, were actually pretty freaking ugly on Sunday, despite being, you know, some high scoring, some very exciting. They were kind of ugly. A lot of penalty flags, a lot of turnovers. And I think about the Lions-Chiefs game, 
five fumbles combined between five two fumbles. teams. I mean, back and forth, a hundred yard fumble return for for a, a freaking touchdown. The Patriots, if you think about it, really did get their winning score on a punt block. Tom Brady couldn't move on the Bills defense. It was a really crazy week. And I did the podcast last week solo, and I did a whole segment about contenders versus pretenders and who can we actually trust, who do we know is good versus who do we think is good versus who do we think is not good. And I think my conclusion after week four is that we still don't freaking know because the Rams are a team we all thought was good. They come out and they blow a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who couldn't beat the Giants, who literally shoot themselves in the foot at every turn, and yet they come out and drop 54 on the Los Angeles Rams, the NFC defending champs Rams, and they beat them, and they just beat them like that. The Lions are a fumble 100-yard recovery away from beating the Chiefs. They're um, a dropped interception away from beating the Chiefs. Like What happened in Week 4 really defines the NFL because it is an any given Sunday league. It is a you have to show up or you can get beat by anybody league. If you look at survivor pools after week four, you're looking at people who take the Rams, people who took the Colts, and basically anyone who took maybe they took the Chiefs or the Patriots, which people was probably a tough one. People who took the Vikings, you guys are all screwed. And unless you took the Chargers versus the Dolphins, who had a pretty tough first half against the Dolphins. Like, you got knocked out. A lot of people got KO'd in week four. And that's just week four. There's 17 weeks. So my overarching point here is we know a few teams are really good. We know the Patriots are good, even though they had – and they still had a tough game against the Bills. We know the Chiefs are really good, and they still had a tough game against the Detroit Lions. So over the next couple weeks, I think things start to even out. I think October, and then when when it gets cold out, is when these teams actually start to separate. And I just think week four, week five, week six, separation starts to begin, but there's going to be clunky games every single week. Basically, you have to think about it like this. Preseason's just ending now. Most of these teams are actually playing their preseason amount of games now because most of them don't actually play in preseason. So a lot of ugliness. A lot of teams who we thought we were, were good played bad. A lot of teams who we thought were bad played good. Oakland Raiders, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the NFL is going to be exciting because there's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of teams that we still don't know about yet. And I can't wait to keep watching every single Sunday. So that's it. That's the NFL talk right there. I mean, we could go deep into it, but NBA stuff is on the horizon. We really want to dive into some of that. And we need to see more out of this NFL before we can really jump to conclusions. There's a whole lot of different stuff going on in every There's conference, every division. Gardner Minshew Hall of Fame. <laughs> Minshew Mania is confirmed real. And, oh, God. And that's He's about a perfect it. candidate, actually, for the theory. He went to JUCO, then like Troy, Eastern Connecticut, or East Carolina, and then Washington State. Exactly. And he has he a has sick muscle. so many boxes. Oh, my God. I saw a video on Instagram today. Somebody did a shoebie. You know, you put a beer in a shoe at the game, and the caption of the picture was Minshewby. to your point absolute legend already it's so good it's so good but no for real uh the excitement for me on thursday night monday night sunday day is very much so there and i look forward to each week to try to friggin figure out what the hell's going on in this league but also what we're trying to figure out is the nba and i know the three of us are very excited i think people are starting to get excited about the nba they're starting to see the media day 
uh, highlights on Twitter and Instagram. And people are starting to get reminded that the season's like 20-something days away. And that's kind of freaking wild. And that's why we're here, the three of us, John Lucas Frank Villani, and me, Pete Kennedy, on the Sports Blog New York podcast to talk about our most intriguing teams. So, Duff, do you want to break this down for the for the people listening and for us one more time, the um, the method of our segment that we're about to do here in the NBA? So... We all pick three teams. We're going to spend like three to five minutes on each team. We're going to try to. We're going to do our best. I know it's, you know, we don't usually stick to that, but we're going to do our best this time. No, no, no. New season, new We're sticking to it because I have the bell, Duff. Oh, true, true, true. All right, we got the bell. So we all pick three teams. A contender, a middle-of-the-road team, and sort of an up-and-comer kind of wild-card team. So we're all going to go around. We're each going to do our contender, middle-of-the-road, and then the up-and-comer because that's where things are going to get a little loose and – probably where the most questions are going to be and very few answers. So those are the passion picks. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good way to put it. And then on top of that, we will do a, um, a Knicks segment because I'm going to break it to you guys all right now. The Knicks did not make our NBA wide most intriguing teams, but because, because we do love the Knicks on this podcast and we do love to talk about them. And this is a sports blog, New York podcast. The Knicks will be talked about. Don't you worry. They will be talked about as our uh, last team, actually. So we'll do contender, middle of the road, and then our up-and-comers, and then the Knicks at the very end. So Knicks fans, stay tuned because there is some intriguing stuff to the Knicks this year. Don't let the people fool you out there, all right, Knicks fans? There's some stuff we get to look forward to, kind of like Daniel Jones. We got some Daniel Jones-style stuff going on in New York. So so hang tight for that stuff. Is that fair? Some great questions like will will the Knicks have, play an all-power forward lineup? <laughs> they, better. they also better sign Zach Randolph, but I'll – because they need more power forwards, so just get Zach they Randolph. Just, just one more. Just one more. <laughs> they might have to because really they only have four, and then if they play, you know, like Mitchell Robinson in there, it's like kind of cheating. But if they get right. Zebo, I'm in. Because yeah. Mitchell Robinson is definitely a five, not a four. So the all four lineup needs Zach Randolph. Yeah, that's true. It's fair. <laughs> all right, so uh, Frank, I pick you to go first. Give us your contending most intriguing team. Oh wait, did I already say this in the very beginning? I think I did. I'll say it one more time. If you don't hear the Lakers and the Clippers, which you won't, that is for a reason. We decided that, you know, we're going to be talking about them so much in previews to come that in this podcast, when we're trying to get hyped about the whole league together, the whole NBA, we're going to leave L.A. out of it because they're clearly two freaking super intriguing teams with stars up the wazoo. So we're just going to leave them on the side, and we're going to talk about them a lot in the next couple weeks. So just You're going to be able to absorb Laker or Laker and Clipper content just kind of by accident this year. Exactly. Exactly. So Frank, and we'll talk about them later. Why don't you start us off? I'm going to start the clock. I'm going to set it for four minutes and you'll hear the ding when the four minutes is up, but start us off with your contender. All right. So my contender is a team that I feel like I've been pretty high on in general. The last probably three seasons, Portland trailblazers. Um, Obviously they were in the Western conference finals last year, had a very iconic, uh, playoff moment when Damian Lillard hit that three over Paul George uh, made him look silly. Um, but that was a bad shot, though. Bad shot, though. You know, bad shot, though. Uh, still went in. Uh, but you know, this <laughs> off season they made a couple. Um, mainly Hassan Whiteside, uh, who's probably going to be the only one who's entered into the starting lineup of their moves that they made. Even beyond that, they got Kemp Bazemore, Pav- and. Uh, the late additions they made last year, Rodney Hood, I think they're in a position where um, they have like a wing player now who's definitely, you know, not 
on the level of the elites, but like I would put them in the category of sufficient, which they haven't had for like you know the past three years. Uh, unless you really consider Evan Turner, I personally am not the biggest fan. I know he shows streaks of it, but um, I think overall that aspect being better, and then the addition of Hassan Whiteside to pair with Nurkic and even Enos Cantor somewhere. I think he's still on that team. Like, nope. No? Okay. He's so on the Celtics now. Better. He's on the Celtics. That's actually probably a good thing. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It so probably like, is. You know, it's just like if it, that type of player. Like, I think Pavis Saul will fit seamlessly with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They just play really well with guys who, you know, rim run and cut pretty hard. Um, and, and honestly, like, it, also guys who can do something with the ball once they give it to him. Like, people, you know, like Nurkic is, became really good at getting the ball and being able to put it on the floor or pass it to the corner or, or do something with it, you know? So, yeah, like, ma- yeah. make one move and then make it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, like, it's a very fun basketball style to watch, in my opinion. Uh, their, their broadcast is actually really good, which you, you maybe not expect from, like, a Midwest team. Um, which is something I care about because I watch them all league pass. I know we're all league pass guys. Um, and, I, you know, I've talked about all these positives so far, and I haven't even hit on their two best players, Damian right. Lillard and CJ McCollum. Uh, I've always been high on Damian. I put him on, like, all my fucking all-team NBA, first team, whatever you want to say, uh, like two seasons ago, and I think he actually got it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, no, he's actually been in the top five right? MVP voting, I think, two years in a row. He's been, I think he's been like fifth, but he's still been on the ballot. He's been top five. Yeah, he's yeah, been on so, the on the ballot. Like, you, we know what we're getting from those guys, and that's kind of why I haven't really hit too much on them, but, like, that, that's why they are my contenders to watch this year. I don't have, like, our big red machine that was the Warriors for the past four years. Like, obviously, the Warriors will still be very good. But obviously, they're not as good as they were when they had Kevin Durant. The Lakers are probably really good. The Clippers are probably really good. But like, and the Rockets are probably really good. But like, we don't really know yet because we've never seen. And the Trailblazers are a team that the, they actually are the steady going into this NBA season. They're that have been together for the longest, pretty much. The core is still there, and uh, I think they really have an opportunity to to make a nice run this year. Yeah, everyone's been talking about player movement, and with good reason. It's It's been completely insane. I think a third of the league, or th- somewhere between 30 and 40% of the league was a free agent last year and moved. Um, so now we get to see what, what's it going to be like when you are going to buy that shiny new toy, that new car, whatever, versus continuity. What's going to get you there, and you know what to expect and how the pieces are going to fit. Uh, with Obviously, the backbone of the team being CJ and Dame, and then they even added Pau Gasol who I think yep. could be really interesting just from a leadership standpoint. That could be fun. Nazir Little, who that was might have been a steal in the draft, honestly, who went 25th. Sure. Um, and then they stole away Scalabissier. Like, their, their, big, their big rotation is going to be strange. Like, who, who who's going to fit where, when. There's, there's a lot of moving pieces. Zach Collins obviously needs to still develop. Rodney Hood found like he found a home, mm-hmm. and he feels – you, you've, I, I never loved Rodney Hood, even out of college, Utah, Cleveland, but he really showed something in, in the playoffs last year. And I think now when he gets out of the spotlight and always being compared to Duke expectations or he sucks because LeBron's playing with him and how could you not be good with LeBron? And then he steps away and it's just a better fit for him. I think 
maybe even Kent Bazemore's got something to play for again. So we'll see how these guys do. I'm I'm excited for this team, I, and it's definitely like a very lovable, likable team. Wow, Duff. I'm I'm just gonna let you know. By the way, so I don't know if you heard the first ding. So my process here is gonna be four minutes first ding, thirty more seconds another ding, and then five full minutes. This is what you get. You get yeeted up on out of here. All right. So you actually were ten seconds away from getting yeeted on. So yeah, that's a pretty good job out of you. Um, one thing to add out of Portland Trailblazers camp for my end is Anthony Simons, the guy who the Portland Trailblazers, uh, you know, execs and coaches and whatnot are just absolutely raving about. This guy was a guy who did not go to college and dropped in the draft because of it, and. Uh, had some a few little garbage time moments last year where he really showed out. I know the last game of the season where like they were locked into their spot. He played and went off, and uh, this summer was apparently really big for him. So Anthony Simons is my guy to look out for on the Portland Trailblazers. Continuity versus the new shiny toy. That was a great way to put it by you guys. They're an intriguing team to see if they can compete without major upgrades against the teams who seemingly have all major upgrades. So great stuff, guys. Quick question about Simons. Was he the one that was a beast on the offensive backboard in the playoffs? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, no, he didn't play much what, in the playoffs. What am I thinking of? He didn't play. He's like he, he's, I, a, he's like a, he's like a guard. Him. He's a guard. I'm not recognizing. Well, it was it was like a wing. It wasn't Amino. It was like someone like that. Oof. Eh, whatever. Oof. Doesn't matter. I guess he's not on the team anymore. Scroll. Oof. All right. Anyways. Don't matter. Heck him. Um. All right. Was it Mo Harkless? It was, it was definitely Thank Mo Harkless. You. Yeah, there we go. I don't know why it just it just hit me right after that. All right. Perfect. So on to my contender pick that I am most intrigued by. And uh just a quick reminder, you guys, this team also, you know, may have won me a bet last year. <laughs> Are you guys prepared? Oh, Frank has a job. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say it was getting hairy there for a little while, but I got a job now. Yeah. And then came right in time because now I can pay for the subscription. I got you, fam. So now because the Houston Rockets, my team, and I will start the timer now, the Houston Rockets are my team. Uh, Frank and Duff lost the bet that the Rockets would not win a playoff series. I th- thought they would, and they did last year. So league pass, subscription, mine is free. Let's get it. Um, all right, talking about the Houston Rockets now. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I mean, is there much more to say as to why this team is so damn intriguing. James Harden, somebody who I think should have three MVPs by now. He only has one, but he should have three. Possibly, eh, I'll say three. He almost single-handedly kept that team afloat last year and put them in a situation where they were one or two games away from a two-seed, which I think you know, kind of did hurt them because they ran into the Warriors in round two instead of round three in the, in the conference finals. But... No more Chris Paul, who was injured, and when he was on the court, he was still fine, but he was not 100%. He was not the Chris Paul from two seasons ago, and you can't imagine him continually getting better at this point, only getting more injured, more old, and more tired. So you're taking Chris Paul, a guy who likes to have the ball in his hand, and you're switching him with Russell Westbrook, a guy who has an absolutely insane impact on a game, even when his stats aren't good. And I think that's something... A lot of people are coming around to a little bit. You know, it took a while because there was so much hate and there is so much inefficiency in his scoring numbers at times, mostly all the time. But his impact, his ferocity, and the way he attacks other teams 
is kind of unmeasurable and it's always going to help his team in some capacity. So James Harden and Russell Westbrook are back together. Otherwise, a lot of their people are, are kind of similar. They still got PJ Tucker hanging around there. They still got Clint Capella. And I think this team with two MVPs and two surefire all-stars has the chance to sneakily just be in that three seed range all year long. And then in the playoffs, the sheer effort it's going to take to slow down those two guys is going to be insanely difficult. And I think James Harden is the type of guy who has added something to his game year in and year out, something we cannot say about Russell Westbrook. And I I think James Harden has a lot of pride in the sense that he doesn't want this to be it. And he's over 30 years old now. He believes he is the best player in the league, even if he's number three or whatever it is. And he wants to prove it. And he now understands that what he does in the regular season isn't what it's all about. So I see a James Harden this year that becomes the true team leader that we've wanted all along, who can rally this team around to get them in a place where they are playing confident and high-level basketball entering the playoffs. Whereas last year, he was playing confident high-level basketball, and it took certain guys like P.J. Tucker to whip everybody else into shape, and they didn't have a full squad. I think the Russell Westbrook-James Harden combo affects this team overall to play at a certain level of intensity all year that when they get to the playoffs, they will keep that and go in with a load of confidence and be a team no one wants to face. So the point I made before about Rodney Hood and LeBron James, and sometimes, you know, we've talked about on the pod before where players, you you think with LeBron, they'd be so much better and blah, 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 but it seems like they aren't. With James Harden, it's it's kind of seems like the opposite. For as much scrutiny as he gets for, for you know, ball hogging or whatever, you look at guys like Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, who bounced a, around the league forever, and then finally found a home in Houston. PJ Tucker was playing in Europe, came over, and then he fit in perfectly for this team. Uh, Daniel House, uh, who was just a no one. Austin Rivers, who I always hated on every team he had ever been with. And, and then he comes to Houston, and he, he honestly he really played well for them. So now I look at those guys. I don't know how much credit I'm going to give James Harden or whatever, but it, everyone has a clearly defined role on this team, and that's what you can kind of point to. Like Russ and Harden, those are going to be our scores, playmakers, whatever. And we said the same thing last year about Harden and CP, where it was like you're going to have two Hall of Fame players on the court at any given moment, you know? So that's always going to be a positive. You're always going to have guys who know what know what their role is. And uh, for a team that has question marks, I really feel like they only switch two players and it's not going to be too different for them. So I actually think they're more on the side of continuity instead of like that shiny new toy thing. Right. And even though Russ can fit the shiny new toy model, uh, I think because of their relationship, they can kind of, get past some of that because I think Russ he's not in Oklahoma City anymore he won't be sheltered by the Oklahoma City media anymore and playing with his friend who is clearly James Harden's team and he has been the better player over the past three seasons Russ will actually be able to defer like we've wanted him to and finally started to do last year with Paul George playing so freaking well for so long before he started getting banged up so yeah Frank what do you got on the Rockets so, and I'm sorry so if you get yeeted in things. 10 seconds. Nah, you're good. <laughs> I heard my dings. I know I got to be fast. Um, just a few things, though. The only thing, like, I'm 
super worried about is uh the rockets seem to just give anybody uh, the green light sorry. keep <laughs> going really keep going keep going you just got the ball at the end of the shot clock there. <laughs> yeah literally that that was james you know, that's harden pretty on brand for russell westbrook though yeah that was but, me and duff were just james and russell dribbling for for 23 seconds and we just threw pj Poor tucker Frank, aka daniel house in the corner <laughs> yeah we just threw you a ball in the corner with 0.5 on the shot clock left <laughs> I'm, still, I'm finishing my point. Yeah, that, finish that. Uh, finish Russell, it. Russell Westbrook as a volume three-point shooter, which Dan Tony will probably let him do for at least like the first two months of the season. Like that's gonna be fucking scary to watch, bro. Dude, that's a as great a point though. If you're talking about if you're talking about intriguing, they're, at, they're going. Dude, they let everybody shoot there. They let everybody shoot. Yo, if you're talking about most intriguing, though, that is a really intriguing point because the Rockets obviously do threes, layups, and free throws. That's what they do. And Russ does not shoot threes well, well documented, hardly shoots mid-range jump shots well, uh, and does shoot pretty well at the rim. But that's going to be interesting. Also, small ball lineup, when Capella gets kicked off, when Capella gets (laughs) off the court, we're (laughs) going to have James Harden, Austin Rivers, Russell Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, and... um, who am I missing here? They got one more. Yes. Oh, and Eric, and Eric Gordon. Oh, dude, bring that on right now. PJ Tucker at the five. <laughs> Eric Gordon playing power forward. I don't care. That lineup's running on people for like three minutes a game. And then my other point was I could just see like if they click really, really well and they they're a really good team and they got like a you know like a a layup of a game like you know the Magic or something. Uh, I could see like Russ being like yo. I'm going to get 30 points and 30 rebounds. And then Harden's going to look at him like, yeah, I'm going to get 30 points and 30 assists. Word. Just be like, all right, bro, you pass, I'll rebound. I'm cool with that. Like, For I real. I see that happening. I hope, I hope so. It should be really fun to watch them because I think we have an idea of what it could look like, but we don't know until we know. And they're going to be a team I have to see the first two weeks of the season, like every single game. I can't wait. All right, tough. Your contender, most intriguing. What do you got? All right, my contender is the Denver Nuggets. Um, this is more on the continuity side as well. They really have – I don't think they – their biggest acquisition was last year's draft pick right. uh, in Michael Porter Jr. So he's going to finally play this year. Uh, how much burn is he going to get? I don't know because they're, they're already a crazy deep team when you talk about Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Mason Plumlee, um, who, uh, Tory Craig, who was yep. great for them. Monty Morris, who was great for them. So Malik Beasley, who was also great Malik for them. Malik Beasley, also really good. So now Michael Porter Jr. has got to kind of find his niche in there, but I think there's room for him because after Trey Lyles left, if he wants to rebound, if he wants to shoot open shots, I really think that he can kind of plug in for that spot. Um, Nikola Jokic, I think he's going to finish in the top three in MVP voting this year. That's I, I think that's pretty much a lock. He was fourth last year. Um, the do you whole... think he has a chance to average a triple double? Sorry to cut you off. Absolutely, I do. Uh, he he's been really close the last few seasons. I mean, he's averaged a double double with points and rebounds, and I think it assists. He's hovered around like seven, eight, nine range. Yeah. So now with he, everyone around him, I think feels more and more comfortable with him. This is kind of like. I, it's kind of like a great quarterback who's had the same receiving core forever, like Peyton Manning in, in Indianapolis when he had like was it Marvin Harrison, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Reg- Dallas Reg- Clark, Reggie Wayne. I'm Reg- sorry, Wayne. not too well. Yeah. So I, that's kind of the way I see it. And then they play differently than 
most other teams in the league when they're working out of the high post, low post, and they're passing to those hotspot areas to pass out of, not to necessarily score from, even though obviously Jokic can pretty much score from anywhere on the court. And I really, really enjoy watching him play because it seems so unorthodox. He just seems like when I go play like pickup ball at a gym or something, there'll be like some guy who played low division one at like fairly Dickinson or, you know, wherever. And then just like somehow they can, they can always score no matter where they are doing some really weird move just because they have great touch and they've played so much basketball. That's what I see when I, when I watch Jokic, it really, he just kind of reminds me of some guy at the Y who's just like (laughs) way better than everyone else. And no one, fully understands why and never gets off the court everybody everybody knows somebody who has the same skill set as Nikola Jokic but is like five foot eleven you know yeah but he does like every, <laughs> those guys you typically have like one one move he's like he's oh, perfect he's with bag. like his, he ha- yeah. Uh, yeah with like five he, or six different things his footwork is crazy this is like the his balance it, it seems like he's always about to fall over but he never misses anything. This is yeah. the this is the word for Jokic's amount of move. He has a soiree of moves. For sure. A plethora. Oh, yeah. Plethora, yeah, yeah. I would say. Absolutely. I mean, this guy, he makes stuff up as he goes. That's the, my that's my favorite part about watching Jokic. Like he'll be falling over in one direction, but he'll use that momentum to sling a behind the back pass where no one sees it going to a guy wide open under the hoop. Like it's crazy how he pulls stuff like that, but he does like almost like consistently, which is crazy he's like a jazz musician the way he just improvises in those moments i I, I love this Jokic love Uh, i love it so much but my question is to you to to duff or frank jamal murray does he take that step like that year three year four point guard step where it's like you've shown like tons of flashes of being really good at scoring and facilitating and breaking down the defense does he become a consistent like not an all-star because there's so many good guards in the West, but like near all-star level player, Jamal Murray. I think yeah. he better. Yeah. His game is, is very suited for today's NBA. And it just seems like the NBA is becoming more in love. With, like we said earlier for the Rockets, threes, like free throws, I guess. Right. So, his game speaks very or translates very well to that, so I think so. I think he keeps progressing. But uh, I had one other point I just wanted to make, and I guess it's just about like Denver as a sports city in general. It might be a weird take, but whatever. But uh, you put like a good team in Denver in almost any sport, and it's kind of scary because like they have that natural advantage of being like the only team with like a ridiculously. Uh, high stadium in terms of elevation and like it actually affects air quality like <laughs> good choice it, you know of good like, choice of words a even, very high stadium when, in denver <laughs> yeah like, I, I don't know exactly how i would say it like, Playing no, the altitude no i'm yeah, saying exactly. because that's why they historically they have tremendous regular season records for that reason i'm saying yeah, because yeah, of the weed frank home. and like it, like you know i feel like everybody who's big into baseball is like man if the rockies ever had like like a pitching staff that was like decent like they always have an offense you know so yeah you know you put a good team in denver and they could be beast frank i was talking about the weed you said it was a very high stadium <laughs> frank yeah guys if you didn't get it drugs. <laughs> i'm talking about the weed frank they're all high there that's Stay what we're talking about weed. that's Stay what happens weed, see nba players all probably Everything smoke work for eviscerated thrown away <laughs> uh, for sure like oh, like oh. 
how when uh, the, that hockey team went to Vegas, yes, everybody that yes. everybody that went to Vegas to play them was just hammered. Bro, every opposing team now goes to the NBA. Like, they always smoke in every city, but they smoke hella when they're in Denver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for sure. No, that's like definitely that's for sure right on. Oh, man, that's so good. All right, so <laughs> real, nice, real quick nice. recap on the, on the contenders uh, in, of our intriguing teams. We have Portland Trailblazers from Frank, and their projected win total over under Corner Vegas is 46 and a half, Frank. 46 and a half. Continuity says that'll be an easy over, but the West is so damn good, it's hard to say. Um, I think they've hit the over like the last three or four years in a row. Would not be surprised in the slightest. The Houston Rockets over. This might be pretty high. 53 and a half. That's a little, that's up there. So that's the Rockets, 53 and a half. And then the Denver, Denver Nuggets, 51 and a half after winning 54 games last year. Wow. So those are the wind over-unders, and we're going to do an over-under pod closer to the season start, so we don't have to get into that now, but just for a little bit of uh, something to think about. That's yeah, what we got. It's just a primer. Get yeah. the juices flowing. So let's keep this thing moving. Um, Duff, since you went last this time, why don't you start us off with we're your, with your um, what are we calling it, the middle of the pack? Or like the... Yeah, yeah, this is this is kind of like the high-variance team where the, they... this is a team you could see being like you know third in their conference or like miss the playoffs or, or not third but just like squarely yeah, no, a playoff team for sure, or someone who barely misses it. i think i think three to nine is this these, these teams should fall like three or four to nine but like likely playoff teams for sure yeah yes so start um, start us off and i'll start at the clock so let's let's uh start it up with the nets the brooklyn nets so they obviously kind of they owned the off season for about a week until uh, Kawhi signed with the Clippers and with Paul George, but they got Kevin Durant, who is with Kawhi Leonard, the crown jewel of this offseason. And they also scooped Kyrie Irving. Everyone thought those two were going to go to the Knicks, but they had their sleeper cell, DeAndre Jordan, in there for the season and said, hey, stick around, see what it's like over there. Is it worth the trouble, or should we just go to Brooklyn? Too soon, bro. And then he said, fuck this, we're leaving. Too soon, bro. Uh, (laughs) So they go to Brooklyn. Uh... And this is a team that kind of that that this podcast, particularly you, Pete, did not sleep on last season. I did not. Uh, I was on the Nets hardcore. You were on them even a year early, probably. So yeah, so uh, the Nets they were basically the East Coast version of the Kings last year, where everyone was going crazy over the Kings is like a tremendous league pass team, yada yada yada. But like the Nets were the number one league pass team last year by far. When they were, I mean, not for us, obviously, because we're local, but for everyone else out there. Every, I feel like every week, Pete was like, yo, if you guys aren't watching this Nets game right now, you're not like, you crazy. have to turn them on. Especially that crazy, what was it, double, triple overtime oh game they gosh. had in Portland? What did you say? Oh, I'm just, I'm just reacting viscerally because it was so crazy last year. Sorry, it I'm was, in- interrupting your four minutes. It was a tremendous game. That was one of those, I was like, thank God he texted me. D'Angelo Russell um, was must-watch television. Like, once a week, yes. probably last year. It's crazy. Yes. Sorry, we'll go on. We'll see if he keeps that up, and we'll talk about him later on. But for for now, we got Karis LeVert, who seemed like he had a devastating injury last year, but he actually came back and he looked great in the playoffs against the Sixers. Spencer Dinwiddie staying. Joe Harris. They got Terion Prince, who I always really liked uh, at a Baylor, and then with um, with the Hawks and Jared Allen. Hopefully, he keeps getting reps and doesn't get fucking buried under DeAndre Jordan. That would be devastating. Uh, And then Kuroks, who was kind of like the surprise of the season for uh, Euro guys last year. 
uh, I guess, you know, Doncic, but he was a top three pick, so can't really be a surprise. Um, this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Hopefully, we'll see the biggest wild card, obviously, is going to be Kyrie Irving. This team had great chemistry. I mean, they were kind of sneaky like the like the Boston Celtics in the sense that they had the old Celtics. They didn't have great talent, but they were deep. They were they had great chemistry. And then now you're going to throw Kyrie Irving into the mix for the next four years, and we'll see what he does to that. That's he's obviously a great player, but as a teammate, we'll see. And uh, it, yeah, it is. It's really strange, by the way, the parallels with the the Nets and Celtics, obviously. The Garnett Paul Pierce trade kind of like starts the whole thing off, but then how the this this like swap for Kyrie Irving comes to fruition here, like that, it's really weird, honestly. And how, like you just said, the Nets were basically a newer version of the Celtics with a bunch of solid players who became a greater sum than their parts. Is that the the the, the phrase? Whatever. Yeah, the sum the sum was greater than. Exactly. So like they became that person. People love Kenny Atkinson. He was like a coach of the year type candidate. And he seems like he seems like the type of guy who is going to be like not taking Kyrie's stupid stuff. But Kyrie Irving obviously holds a ton of weight in the NBA. And can Kenny Atkinson control that and keep them all moving in the right direction? I think they're fascinating. I mean, I'm happy they're in our backyard. I'm jealous that they're in our backyard. And I kind of wish they didn't exist because like, you know, I get to watch the Knicks. It's like I'm eating out of the trash can and everybody else. <laughs> I'm watching everybody else in New York fucking eat a nice pizza out of the oven. Yo, That's but for real, though, me. this will be a testament. And this is one of the most intriguing parts of the Nets this year um, because they are clearly second fiddle in New York as a basketball franchise. How does that change this year versus maybe even next year when Kevin Durant comes back? Because I think ticket prices are going to skyrocket over there. Their TV ratings are going to go up. They're going to be talked about way more national media. Um, like, what do the New York fans do? Are there going to be a bunch of net fans all of a sudden who finally decide they're going to give up on, on the Knicks now because there's another convenient team to root for? I don't know, but I'm intrigued to see how the people in our backyard, people we know, people we just kind of see around, how do they deal with this new Nets team I'll, that has all I'll this excitement? I'll tell you how it goes. I'll tell you how it goes. It starts off like, oh, I got a Kyrie jersey or a Kevin Durant jersey. Just like, you know, they're really good players and they're here now. It's cool. I just like them, though. I don't like the Nets. And then, you know, year two, year three, and the Nets are like contending for a championship. And they're like looking at the Knicks. And they're like, wow, they're still, they're still picking in the top five. That looks, <laughs> that looks like so much fun. That's uh, what it's going to look like. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's very possible. Um, but if, if people aren't rocking Joe Harris jerseys at Nets games, I'm out. Like, I don't trust them. That's what I'm saying. Yo, Joe, Joe Harris. Don't fuck may, Joe Harris. I don't fuck with you. Sneaky Joe yeah, Harris geez, maybe was, baby. like, one of the best players on our U.S. FIBA World World Cup team this year. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, the only person whose shooting percentages were, like, better than previous teams' averages. Everybody else <laughs> Oh, dude, Frank, there I'm sorry. Is. I feel like just you just keep getting the ball at the end of the shot clock. That it's was like, just four o'clock awareness. It's no, not that one. No, that one I got off in time. Don't even. Don't yeah, no, that. you you got that shot off in time, but it wasn't a quality shot because you had to rush it. That's okay. You made, I got it off. I think you. Time, I think you. I, I think you made it in anyway. I think you did. That was the half court heave right there. 
You know, that was that was the sorry, the halftime heave. That wasn't for the game ender. Oh, word. Good with a bad, oh, is that the, that's the halftime right. heave that you uh, purposely shoot right after the buzzer goes off so you don't mess up your field goal percentage? If you're Kevin Durant, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's keep moving. Nets, obviously intriguing for many reasons. We just touched on a bunch of them. That's a great stuff to talk about. Frank, yeah, why don't you... From the next... From the... No, no, no. Pete, we're going back to you. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, fair. That's, not, that's, that's fair. not a real snake, dude. Come on, from, dude. From Brooklyn to Golden State. Also, yeah, that's the... actually multiple reasons. One, Frank, like you said... Um, the snake version of our picks right here. I do go next. And also the segue that Duff gave me that I completely botched right there. We're talking about D'Angelo Russell and how he was must watch television last year. And, um, I, I didn't segue that into the golden state warriors. Like what? That's wow. crazy of me. Sorry the for Pete, messing that Pete up. I used to know, the Pete I used to know to call it that one. dude. Hey, it's early in the season for basketball pods, man. I'm trying to work out the kinks. All right. Um, <laughs> Too much football dude. Too much. Football is clouding your mind. I got the Cowboys and Saints on in the background here. There's a lot going on, all right? All right, anyway. <laughs> so Golden State Warriors are my second team. They are my uh, middle of the pack. I feel like we need a better name for that, but we'll figure it out. Um, the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, at some point, Clay Thompson. A couple of weird centers like Will Cauley-Stein joined. Kevon Looney stayed around. This is a different team, but... I think continuity also comes into play here. And I am fascinated to see how they handle managing their intensity in the regular season. Is Steph Curry gunning for a scoring title? Is Steph Curry gunning for his third MVP? Does Draymond want to be Defensive Player of the Year again? One thing that I was disappointed with was the Warriors' decision to pay Draymond Green now instead of making him play on a contract year. Because I believe contract year Draymond would have been a frightening sight for, for the opposing teams. It would have been a teams. monster. It would have been so scary for opposing teams to see contract year Draymond. But, you know, take care of your guy. I get it. You just lost people. So, like, take care of, of Draymond. Like, he does deserve it. So, sure. But I'm still sad we missed out on that. I think this team has juice. I heard people say they're not going to be a playoff team. I just can't even fathom it i'm thinking about stefan freaking curry like he is a top five player in this league top five players in this league except for anthony davis make the playoffs every freaking year am i wrong with <laughs> like am i wrong on that no you're, you're definitely no, right i think this is really an important moment for steph curry because now a lot of questions are starting to be asked not you know what position would you have him top five top ten top three in the nba now but just kind of in the overall uh, all-time question, you know, where does he rank historically? This is a big moment. If he doesn't make the playoffs, then he's going to drop down everyone's ranking. People are going to say, see, you still need size, you still need this, you still need that. You can't just be shooting. This is a big moment and for him and just kind of the historical impact of shooting in the NBA. Exactly. So Steph Curry changed the league. He led the Warriors to um, championships, and then Kevin Durant came, and where we put the responsibility for their success really got all sorts of mucked up. You see people say, oh, they have the best player in the world, Kevin Durant now. Steph loses some credibility. Klay Thompson's still this good. Maybe that takes away from Steph. Draymond's actually the real catalyst behind it all. Maybe that takes away from Steph. And throughout this whole time, Steph just continued to shoot incredible numbers. I mean, he was having an MVP season before he got banged up a little bit last year. And my guesstimation is, is he is so prideful, and so is Draymond, and so is Coach Kerr, and they have such a strong foundation there 
even though they lost Kevin Durant, even though Klay Thompson's going to be gone for a little while, they're such a strong foundation, such a great foundation. This is an infrastructure. Yeah, they share the ball so well. They play team defense. I think this team is still going to be a fifth or sixth seed just because the Western Conference is that good. But I can't imagine this team not being a true competitor. And nobody in their right mind wants to play them in the playoffs. And I hardly talked about D'Angelo Russell yet. Yep. Big big question for him is like, how long is he actually going to be on the team? Well, you it know, depends Clay, how good he does. If right. he if and he if looks Clay good, comes back. They're going to be the the splash triplets. They're going to be sick. Dude, yeah. Clay I hope, can I hope easily slot. Clay can easily slot into the three, and they can do dual point guard, like multiple teams have done. But I just have a few quick things to say about the Warriors. Um, they got a lot of hate just because they're so good. It's pretty much like the the Patriots syndrome. It's like you've been there for the past four years, basically. It's like, all right, now we're tired of you, which is like a very stupid sentiment. Uh, you should appreciate greatness when you see it, myself included. Um, but that team, I'm going to make a very, I guess, niche reference right now. Uh, if you ever played NBA Jam and you played against someone who's good, so like, you know, you got to take your running shots and like, you got to hit a lot of threes to win that game. The Warriors are like, they're like NBA Jam in real life. Like, you're just hitting turnaround threes, floater threes, like everything. They do that in real life, and it's it's super fun to watch. And like you said, they revolutionized the NBA. So, and hell yeah, let's keep on appreciating great. I am so for that exact sentiment, and I do think there will be a flip in the narrative this year with how people kind of look at them and start to like them again because – Duffy and I were hanging out a lot that first year before the 73 wins. We watched them every night, late night on TNT, every chance we could. And we were jump like we were literally jumping off the couch with some of the plays that Steph and Clay and Draymond were making. They were creating visceral reactions out of us. And people loved them. And I said, I said it back then, and it was one of my proudest takes of all time. It's like people are gonna hate these guys soon because they're gonna be so good, so hard to stop, doing stuff that other people just physically can't do. And it happened. And then they got Kevin Durant and it happened times ten. But yeah. now now we're back to Steph, we're back to Draymond, we're back to Clay. Some people have the hate built in them, but mm-hmm. I think some people get back on the Warriors bandwagon. <laughs> Yeet. I also have the benefit of hitting the button, so I got to time it. I gave myself an extra second. Oh well, good thing you did it quick because I just I wanted to th- I wanted to throw in a couple things right there. Um, no, go for it, go for it. Jordan Poole, that'll be fun. He's Swa- got that Splash Brother mentality. Swaggy Poole, <laughs> Swaggy Poole, and then I'm looking. I'm, I didn't even know. I is this real right here? Do they actually have Amari Spellman? Yeah, I yeah. thought he got drafted yeah. by the Hawks. When did that happen? This this summer they traded for they him. They have Marquis Chris too. Don't they? Yeah, fuck that. Though. Yeah, but he's well, Amari Spellman is going to be. Yeah, sick, you honestly. say that, but. Marquise Chris will be good on the Warriors because that's what the Warriors do. JaVale McGee went from, like, undesirable on your team to, like, people want JaVale McGee now. That's Warriors. Also, um, Omari Spellman. More like Omari Spatesman. Nope. Bad. That was bad. Sorry. But Mark, remember Mo Mo Spates? Guy came in and and got buckets. Yeah, Mo Spates is a walking bucket, bro. Come on. Yo, if Omari, Omari Spellman can shoot it, sick on this. if he can shoot it and then run the court a little bit, guy's going to be making plays. Dude, that was his thing. He was undersized, but he would just hit threes, and he was just a beast around the basket. Like, like he, he would play Draymond like... Draymond 2.0, garbage man. Garbage man who can actually shoot. 
Yeah, yeah, that it, he he doesn't have that same Draymond intensity or d- defensive skills, but he has all the shooting that Draymond doesn't. Maybe Draymond will t- teach him, bro. That'd be cool. Maybe he can teach Draymond. Oh, how to shoot? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, that's the Warriors. Frank, on to your up-and-coming. What do you got? No, on to your middle-of-the-pack. Sorry. My middle-of-the-pack team, they were an up-and-coming team last year. Um a team that honestly I slept on for a good portion of the beginning of the season. And I don't know why, probably just because I was watching other West coast games that were on at the same time, but um, a super fun young team, Sacramento King uh, with one of my personal favorite players to watch right now, De'Aaron Fox. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I have not negative comment like about his game, like on the internet, he translates so well into like the, culture that basketball is right now you know like the 30 second to a minute to two minute highlights like he loads those up and he's only league for you know two years it's pretty fun to watch uh obviously you know bogdan bogdanovich buddy healed marvin bagley like they're just a they're a weird team honestly in my opinion if i was drafting a team on 2k it would probably look nothing like this team they have a bunch of talent, and I think they can be – I don't know if I'm ready to say they're legitimate contenders for a playoff spot because we all know the West is a buzzsaw, and they'll have to take another step like they took last year, which was like a really, really big step. And it's not easy to do something like that, especially in back-to-back years. But, like, they're setting themselves up for success more than the Kings ever have in the past, and I'm excited for to, to watch the progress. So you mentioned how De'Aaron Fox, no one said a bad word about his game or anything like that, and that he, he's good with their basketball culture. I think he's just good with their culture as a franchise, period. As a person, as a player, you think of who their last cornerstone player was, Boogie Cousins. Now, he was an underappreciated player when he was on the Kings, but it was because he was such a chore of a person, and everyone got tired of dealing with his bullshit all the time, his antics mm-hmm. on the court. They weren't having any success. Now there's just more of a positive attitude around the team and probably on the team. And I'm not trying to take any unnecessary shots of Boogie here, but it's just it's just what it is. And they're a super young team. They have two players over the age of 30. Dwayne Dedman, who's just kind of role player center, who can stretch the floor. And then they have... Um, Bielitsa. Tre- Trevor Reza. Oh, yeah. And Bielitsa, sorry. Yeah. Three. They got three players over 30. Yeah, and, and I all mean... All those guys are going get, to get minutes. Trevor Reza, that's a good kind of... Honestly, I'm a little surprised that he didn't go somewhere bigger because I feel like last season when he was on the Suns or Wizards? Both. I know. Where did he start, though? <laughs> the Suns. Started with yeah, the Suns. Yeah, Sun. Sun. Yeah, and everyone was going crazy like, oh, yeah, where he's going to get traded 100%, probably to some like the Lakers right. or the Warriors or wherever. And then he ends up going to the Wizards. Like, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go to somewhere better. Um or to a better team. Like, I know this could be a playoff team. But well, I thought honestly, he would be a lock for, like, a contender. The difference between Trevor Ariza and other role players who are looking to do that, he has a ring. Right? Good point. He won rings not with... ring chasing. He's not ring chasing. He's got He's got yeah. the, the hardware. People he, forget that. People forget he was, like, a player on the Lakers when they won a championship. So, like... The, the 2010 <laughs> team, right? Shout out to yeah. Trevor Ariza. But also, like, you know, Jaron Fox is clearly, like, you know, he leads that team. He is the, the heartbeat of that team. 
he's going to take another step. He took a sixth step last year. I think everybody expects him to take another step. Buddy Heald's shooting is off the charts. People are actually starting to notice Bogdan Bogdanovich, which is really cool. Bogdan, dude. Anybody with the last name Bogdanovich that plays round ball, just (laughs) a fan. That plays round ball? (laughs) Yep. Um, Round ball rock. Look up the video. The one more guy, two two guys actually, who I think can take big steps. One guy I didn't love coming into the draft, that was Marvin Bagley. I was just not a a huge Bagley guy. I didn't know how he would become a really impactful NBA player. Still not completely sure because – his move set is a little limited, but he's just so athletic. He's kind of like Amari Stoudemire in that regard. But also Harry Giles. He's finally becoming healthy and comfortable in his own body again to the point where he can make plays and do really cool stuff. Kings are by far a league pass darling, and I think they will be again. Now, the only difference is we said middle-of-the-pack teams. Maybe they're not a playoff team in the West, but if we're talking middle-of-the-pack of the NBA, I think if uh, the Kings oh, were in the East, oh, we'd be sure. like, yeah. they're a six seed, you know? Yep. So, in the East, yes, they're they're squarely in the playoffs. Agreed across the board. And also, my dude Rashawn Holmes is on this team. Just want to that. <laughs> Rashawn Holmes, nice player, by the way. Dude, nice I love player. watching him play. Like all the Suns games I would watch last year, because I'm a psycho, and he, they would like start to make a <laughs> run, like psycho. like early in the fourth quarter, they would start to make a run, and I'd be like, man, like they're gonna win this game, and then they would take Rashawn Holmes out and put DeAndre Ayton in, and they would just fucking blow it. Like it was every time without fail. It was hysterical. So I um I skipped a ding there, so we're gonna go straight to this. <laughs> and we're gonna move on because we are getting a little long here, so we wanna talk about these up and coming teams because when you talk about most intriguing and you're talking to the NBA outsiders, we're not always about the most obvious teams. We love these other teams that we're about to talk about. The teams last year, you know, maybe it was I I actually don't wanna say it because Maybe some teams that were up and coming last year are still kind of up and coming, but even more interesting. So I think we should just jump right into it. Um, and I think that means, Frank, you go first because we're doing yeah. Snake, right? So, Frank, yeah. why don't you hit us off with your most intriguing up and coming team? Because those can be some of the most fun teams to watch because they're not playing for championship, but they're playing to build culture, to get better, and to just be a thorn in the side of some of the best teams in the league. So, my pick is. Definitely the basic pick of our three picks. It's the Pelicans, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I mean Zion Williamson. If you know, if they still had Anthony Davis and Zion, it would be as big a buzzsaw, I think, and probably it would be higher up on this list. Been in the playoff contenders here. Um, this is a team to me that like actually has that potential of a ceiling it sucks that they're in the west because they probably won't get there but, but like if zion comes in and is as complete a player as he's perceived to be lonzo takes a next step that i i personally think he's capable of brandon ingram takes the next step which i think a lot of people believe in brandon ingram um drew holiday continues to do what he does like that's a super intriguing team and definitely a fun team to watch i mean uh, really the only thing that can derail this for the pelicans is like Zion being like an anthony bennett level bust Oof, but like sheesh. why would you even put that happening why would you even put anthony that in the bennett universe was an anthony bennett level bust before he even played like he went number one and everyone's like what the fuck like who is yeah no that listen i i'm not I'm not even comparing them as players in any way. I'm just saying, like, that's not. the only way this yeah, Pelicans no, team isn't, isn't fun to watch is if, 
like Zion really was just like he, he was dominating because the physicality in college basketball was so low. Right. Like I, I don't think that's going to be the case because it really does look like strong enough and big enough. Well, so basically unless, Zion. unless Zion's getting coaches decision DNPs, <laughs> they're going to be fun to yeah, watch. <laughs> exactly. And then like they have like, you know, smaller ancillary pieces. Like, like Josh Hart is the third piece that comes over in that trade that may have slipped your mind. You just don't remember it. Uh, who's a good piece. They also drafted Jackson Hay, who, you know, basketball nuts like us who watched a little bit of summer league, like he did some super impressive things. Yeah, he did some Dude, things athletically. Nikhil Alexander Walker, yeah. who's Shea Gildas Alexander's uh cousin, right? Cousin? Correct, correct. Yeah. JJ Reddick. He he had some he, sick he had a dope step back in summer league. That was it like it probably brought a tear to James Harden's eyes. <laughs> No, this um, team, then, this team's crazy even, um, interesting. And, and Derek Favors, so so like you know, two veterans are in there too, mainstays of pretty good basketball teams the last couple of years. Like this team has a crazy like ceiling and floor. Like they win twenty games, like twenty five games, because less. I wouldn't be surprised if they win like I don't know forty two. They finish if they yeah if they if they finish close to or forty one yeah like. Yeah, like that's also not crazy to me. Like, freak out. So. Yeah, there are two. There are two things that I cannot wait to watch uh, with this team that aren't Zion Williamson. The first is the defensive backcourt here. So Drew Holiday is an incredible defender. I think we all know that right now, and I think everybody else knows that Lonzo Ball is a really awesome defender. So those two guys in the backcourt, really just harassing guards around the Western Conference and around the league in general. That's gonna be really fun. Because just defense, just Drew Holiday like pestering ball handlers and Lonzo Ball just picking off passes. Exactly, and then their transition offense with Zion and Jackson Hayes, oh my God. like that could be a <laughs> spectacle. And then JJ Redick just on full sprints up the court, just stopping and popping. Like their defense to offense transition. If Alvin Gentry really gets his team uh, to run, which he has gotten to do, uh, basically minus when Boogie was there. Like they're gonna be extremely, extremely fun, and then I just want to see Lonzo design alley oops like one, like three times all a game. Day. That's all it. I just need to see it. I need to see God. it all the time. Do either of you guys know anything about this guy Nicolo Melli or something? Like I've been hearing some buzz about him, but I honestly have never seen a play. He's, so for those who don't know, he's like a 28 year old rookie power forward from Italy. Who... I'm looking at his picture right now, and he's got this confident look. It's not a smile. It's not a smirk. It's just like confident. <laughs> Aura. This guy. All right, so he's all right. We are pro Nicola Melli on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the train. I'm on. The Basically, train. what I what I've heard is that he'll be like the replacement for Miritich kind of thing. I love I was it. Gonna say this guy looks like he's it's like coming over a little bit older, but a little bit more polished. Yeah. I love I that. I just want to throw it out there. This this team is just like full of question marks and and individual guys who are, are really exciting to watch. Like, even J.J. Redick, the way – I mean, maybe I'm just fucking psycho again. Watching him run around screens and shoot, like, floating to the side, all that stuff. Like, no one in the league really does that kind of stuff anymore, and it's really, really fun to watch to me. Like, the, how hard he has to work to get a bucket, even though he scores so consistently and without dribbling. I feel like, and he's yeah, only, like him, him like, Steph, and Clay are the only guys who, who, are, who are hitting screens that hard. Yeah. But Steph, even, even Steph steps is just, off the dribble like 90% of the time now. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. Also, 
I missed it. I missed on saying this before. I'm gonna say it now. I'm so sad that Clay. I'm so sad that Clay is hurt because I felt yeah. like this would have been a great year for them to just be like Clay. Everybody knows you really likes you, but for some reason on these lists they put you pretty low. Like let's oh give God. Clay a the season. The ESPN list where he was like four, third. <laughs> yeah, like let's give Clay an opportunity to put himself fired. where he. I should mean, did be. they like, write that he was gonna in the top fifteen, top twenty? You know, did they say he was fortieth because he's gonna miss half the season? Because that's the only pos- That's the only possible explanation. You know, like, that's, that's yeah, the only possible. That's, explanation. The, that's the only defensible one. Yeah. No, but even I, I think it's just in terms of talent. Like even when he comes back, like seventy-five percent of Clay Thompson is still like top. He's got to be top forty. Like come yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, the last thing I want to say on the Pelicans, and we could we can move on, is the fact that JJ Redick chose to go to New Orleans, a guy who is one of the most well-respected veterans in the league, a guy who has never missed the playoffs in his career. He has made the playoffs every team he's been on. Every yeah. single season, he chose to go to the Pelicans. He could have went to any team that has a chance to win games in the league, pretty much, that had you know $10 million to spend, and he chose to go to New Orleans. So that tells me he's buying in. That tells me the Pelicans are going to be fun to watch. And he said on Zach Lowe's podcast it was because of Drew, Drew Holiday was a big part of that um, decision. So apparently p- people around the league really respect him and love to play with him. I, keep, yeah, I, I, I bet yeah. you I bet you Zion and Brandon Ingram both Dukies, even though Brandon Ingram probably was there after him. But Zion being there, you yeah, know Coach no, K was yeah. like, JJ, you got to see this guy. Yeah, so for sure. Them played together. I think there was there was like one other Duke. Oh, Jaleel Okafor. There's four Duke yes, players on this. Yes, Ja. Ja's there. Crazy. Ja's there. They should sign, uh, they should sign Lance Duke Thomas. Duke in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, dude. Forget about it. They should get. They should sign Lance Thomas for another. Dookie. I think the Nets got him. <laughs> oh yeah, did they really? Yeah, I think they pulled the trigger on that. That's amazing. Good, good, good for Lance. You know, he has been a butt of many jokes for me about his pump fakes when he just like needs to shoot because he's not a bad yeah. shooter. Lance Thomas is not a bad shooter yet he pump fakes and does nothing with it after. Uh, and don't get me started. Don't get me started. My brother played with Lance Thomas in high school. I'm about. I'm about to eat myself right now because I don't want to talk about Lance Thomas. No, do it. Eat yourself mid-sentence. <laughs> All right. <laughs> mid-sentence. Lance Thomas pump fakes every single... All right, I'm out. All right, here we <laughs> Moving on to the next team, which I guess would be mine. And um, this team is close to being middle of the pack, but they are definitely one of the higher up, up-and-coming teams, in my opinion. And it's sad to say because you know we... Well, me and Frank are New York Knicks fans and we had to see this one guy leave last year on bad terms via a trade that hasn't netted much for the New York Knicks yet. But Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic will be a pick-and-roll tandem starting this fall. The Dallas Mavericks are an up-and-coming team I cannot wait to watch. I mean, first off, just Luka in general. That's it. You just need to say Luka Doncic and you need to watch them. That's that's how good this guy is. And I think year one, he wasn't just a great rookie. He was a great NBA player already. He was a very good NBA player as a rookie, which is extremely rare. And he's only getting better. He's only getting more mature. He's only becoming in better shape. And I think he is going to go off. He's going to be an all-star this year. Porzingis has been an all-star before. And if he's healthy and if he starts seasons, I mean, if he starts this season like he started past seasons, I mean, like, this team might start really hot, and we might be like, holy hell, this team is a team that should not be messed with. And I got a nickname for him already. 
Oh, what do you got? What do you got? The European Union. The, mm. the European Union. Yeah, that's Porzingis and Doncic. I love it. And Maxi Kleber. And Maxi. <laughs> 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 that made, did y'all watch the Game of Zones this year? Oh, and they have Boban, y'all. And they got oh, Boban. Did you watch Game of European Zones, the, the Bleacher Report cartoon thing? I I did not. So they yeah, did, yeah, which, which, which they, episode? The one sketch where they're like saying goodbye to Dirk, and Dirk's like in his uh, deathbed, basically. And yeah. for some reason, Luca, Porzingis, and Maxi Kleber are all in the room. And Maxi just keeps being like, Dirk also told me I was the next Dirk. What's going on here? Like, <laughs> and it's a really good bit, so I recommend uh, checking it out. I love those videos. They're yeah, so I definitely got to check that out. There, wait, so back to the Mavericks team real quick. There are other question marks like on the roster. Like They aren't a very deep roster. Um, it is going to be a heavy dosage of Luka and KP, and I think that's why they're going to be really intriguing, but I think that's why they're still up and coming. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, for this Dallas Mavericks organization to make this team like an actual contender type or at least somebody who's going to be a 6-7 seed type uh, team. So that's why they're up and coming. But those two young guys have the skill set that can absolutely mesh with each other and can make an, a dangerous, dangerous offensive duo where they can realistically be averaging 50 points a game together. I think that's a little bit lofty, but that's pretty close to realistic. And you don't get that out of guys who are 24 and under. Like, that just doesn't Porzingis, really happen. He, what did he put on, like, 20 pounds of muscle this offseason? Looks like he spent every waking moment of his life just doing push-ups. I saw something on Twitter that said that Porzingis did this last year as well. And uh, that what he does, he just does curls and then takes a picture right after. So he, he doesn't actually work out hard. Oh, so he's, like, every fucking other white dude in america yeah exactly yes. which w one thing we do know about porzingis and we love this about him at one point uh is that he really does want to just be a cool american guy um hence the cornrows that he had when he was like 12 or whatever so maybe yeah. maybe he's just a little bit of a flat but i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt even though he betrayed the knicks <laughs> i think he's dope and i still am gonna root for porzingis despite all that stuff i'm not gonna hold grudges i can't wait to watch him play for real i'll hold the grudge I definitely <laughs> hold the grudge. You're holding the grudge, Frank. Are you what? What like? How intrigued are you with this duo? And like, what's this team's ceiling uh, to you I guys? I fucking, I hate, I hate it. But it's like one of those things that I'm gonna love to hate. Like, no, you in a vacuum, you love it. Like without the Knicks implications, you yeah. Love it. Oh, exactly. That's, that's what I mean. Like they're gonna be showing up on highlight reels. I'm gonna be, oh, oh, that was. That was so fucking sick. Oh my god, what a nice play. This, that, the other. But then in the back of my mind, I'm just gonna be like, fuck that guy. And it's gonna be like the last like month of the season. It's like if they if they they're gonna have like forty wins or thirty eight wins and on the cusp of the playoffs, and then like they're the Knicks just shut down RJ Barrett. So and, yeah, the Knicks, oh, Knicks are gonna oh, have god. like eleven wins. Frank Nilakina's gonna be averaging points a game. Still crazy. Oh, God. Bobby Portis is going to be their player of the week. Marcus Morris Zach, is going to be starting no, at point guard. Zach Randolph will be team MVP. <laughs> Zach Randolph. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now it's time to move on to our last up-and-coming team, and that leads us to John Lucas Duffy. So, Duff, hit us off. Up-and-coming. What do you got for us? So, it's only right that we go from, from the Mavs to this next team, the Hawks, because there's two players on those teams that are going to be linked together forever. You got Luka yep. Dantich and you got Trey Young. Who Great segue. traded for each other uh, in last year's draft. Not this, yeah, in the 2018 draft, I guess. 
Um, Luca was taken third by the Hawks. They traded him back to the Mavs for Trey Young. Uh, right? I got that right, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, I got that right. And then uh, this team, I, I'm really excited for this team because they, before when I said they only have one player, they only have one player who's 30 years old. Two players, I'm sorry. They had two players who were 30 years old. Um, but one player who's 40. <laughs> they got Vince Carter. They still got Vince Carter. So this team is like just a bunch of babies. You got Trey Young, uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. Now, all of those guys I just said, John Collins is the oldest. He's 22 years old. That's the core of their team. That's the nucleus. That's what they're going to be building around, hopefully to become what they see as the the next warriors of the, of the East, you know, Trey young will be the Steph Curry and then kind of Deandre Hunter and Cam Reddish can combine to be clay Thompson. And you forgot somebody. What? You forgot somebody. Alex Len. Kevin no. Herter dog. Yeah. They couldn't oh, I was well, in there, bro. Were you though? Were you, on me like were that. you though? Were you getting there though? Yeah. Cause he is ginger clay. <laughs> He's ginger clay. <laughs> oh, all right. You know, no, you know what? You pick. You go. You go. My team. No, you can go though. Just finish it off here. No, no, I don't want it. I don't no, I'm want. Done. It. It's fine. I was just trying to save you. Okay. I was just, just trying to save. I was fine. trying to save you from yourself. Okay. Just literally staring at his name. Yeah. Let right. Me just let me just meet real. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dav. Come on. What do you? What else you got? Kevin Herter, obviously. Also twenty. He was not like he was not in. The, when you think of the Hawks, though, like the. When they were building this team, he was not one of the pieces that was supposed to just explode the way he did. That's why I was saying it's going to be John Collins, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. They're kind of like the blue chippers of the of the draft picks. Kevin Herter went to fucking Maryland out of nowhere. This ginger kid that they thought <laughs> – everyone thought he was like a make-a-wish. And then all of a sudden he's <laughs> dropping 30 on your dome. I got to be straight up honest. Like, obviously, Trey Young is probably – is the best player probably going on that team going forward as well. But like when I think of the Hawks right now, I straight up just associate Kevin. So yes. if I was talking about the Hawks, he would have been the first name out of my a hundred percent. Well, I had that awesome segue from the fucking Mavericks to the Hawks. So That's I had to true. pick up true. Pete Slack. True. That's no, true. You're right. You're right. I, it's fair. And I'm Sorry that we stepped on you like that. Jesus yeah. Christ, guys. It's like our 100th episode. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you don't trust me to say fucking Kevin Herter? Hey, you know. I mean, you you took your you took your time getting to him, and uh, I just think uh, I think he's the next Clay Thompson, so whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, no, but for real, though. All right. for Like, this is for real? No, I just think this team is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be pure offense absolutely no defense whatsoever and this like that's right (laughs) this is they're kind of like all those i feel like the past x amount of years like the suns games have always finished like 130 to 110 i feel like these the hawks are going to kind of be in games like that where they're going to be losing on the losing end of those but they're going to look better doing it it's not going to be like yeah, for like sure. the Suns. Where well, I mean, they're going to win way more games. That guy? They're going to win yeah, way yeah, more games. One, guy's gonna drop, one, one guy's going to drop like 35 in a loss every night. Yeah. Like, that's kind of cool. I mean, I think know? John Collins has a chance to be an all-star, uh, right? I think that's fair to say. I think Trey yeah. Young would be close, but just because guard is more, uh, you know, more crowded, I think Collins so has a chance. 
Um, but I think Trey Young is going to put up stupid numbers this year. Like, I think he's going to be he a guy. He's like top five in assists. He's going to average a double double. He's going to average, I think, 21, 22 points and 10 assists. And he's going to be electric. I, the, the one thing that you just can never take away from Trey Young is his passing. You can yeah. say he's too small. You're going to say you can, maybe he'll get hurt. He can't defend. He's going to get picked on on defense. Got the vision. That dude's got the vision for real. So, like. Yeah. Also, one thing about his passing before you move on from it. I think he's got the best like baseball style basketball pass in the game. He 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 could probably Kevin like Love would like to have a word with you. <laughs> well, Kevin Love's good at the quarterback. I'm talking like a pitcher. Like Trey Young might be like Greg Maddox if we gave him you know 20 Ooh. years on the mound. Ooh. He's 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 got an accurate top, top can. More like a baseball, less like Kevin Love. Kevin Love is like Aaron Rodgers out there. Yeah, Kevin Love is just throwing bombs out there. He throws bombs, yeah. for real. Anything else on the Hawks? we got 30 seconds left, and we want to go to five. We've we've gone to five on every team. Are we going to leave the Hawks hanging like this? Well, you took me uh, out of my fucking rhythm. What's their ceiling, Duff? What's their ceiling? What was their what, what was their over under? We were t- we said a pre-show it's it was like 30, 30. 34 and a half. They had 29 wins last year. 34 and a half. I think the East is not nearly as good as it was last year, even though the Heat and the Magic are both better in their division. <laughs> I think they're going to get that. I think they're going to get 35. And you know they're what? They're going to get, yeah, you know what? They're probably going to get like 33. 30. What I what I find interesting about the Hawks, which is why I think they can hit the over, is if you think about them with the Mavericks, bring it back to the top of this uh, segment here. The Mavericks started out really strong last year. Luka was playing really well. They were they were frisky. They were winning some games. I mean, they weren't a playoff contender, but they were they were winning games. They're a respectable team. The Hawks started out pretty bad, but in the second half of the season, they continued to play hard and continued to try to win. Whereas the Mavericks were like, "Screw it, uh, we're just gonna tank," kind of like we're not trying to win anymore. Um, so the Hawks really had something at the end of the season they could build on. So I think that could help them moving forward now that they're gonna try to win games this year for real. Uh, so I think they can hit over 34 and a half. I really do. The one guy on their team I worry about is Cam Reddish, just mm. because he seems like practice player, highlight dude, whatever. And because at Duke, he was just so bad. Is he and, a, Is he the modern Jeff yeah, Green? he just faded. Everyone sees him the in background. the and stuff, and they, they talk him up constantly, like how talented he is, how good he looks athletically. He looks so smooth when he shoots. Like that's all you hear whenever he's in a in an empty gym, essentially, but when it comes to game time, you got to kind of see what's what, yeah. He's there for, like, three minutes at a time at Tops, and uh, he might be a modern-day Jeff Green. You know, he might come out in his first couple weeks of an NBA player and have one game where he puts up 25 and, like, yo, this dude might actually have it. Just wait for him to click, and then it just never clicks. Like, that's a real possibility for Cam Reddish. but I kind of love it. Yeah, I hate to say it because I like Cam Reddish and I don't like Jeff Green, so whatever. But, uh, yeah, we'll see um, if he could find some sort of consistency and be a real NBA player, you know? That's it, though. What team is Jeff Green on this year? Does it matter? No, he's on the Jazz. I'm pissed about it. Oh, yeah. Kiss of death. Right? It's terrible. You know, the Jazz will put him in seed, and he'll be in the NBA for the next three years, so... Yeah, I mean, Jeff Hold Green has a place in the NBA. It's just not a good place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love to hate Jeff Green. It sucks. I feel bad. He must be such a nice guy. Apparently, his teammates love him. Oh, I'm sure. That's sure. why he always gets jobs. Like, I'm sure he's great. He's like the Josh McCown of the NBA. Only if he didn't disappear for months and then have one really awesome oh. game. 
I want to mention this real quick. I, I don't know why you guys saying that just reminded me, but I saw an interview Jimmy Jimmy Butler recently, and they were asking him about some of his like expressions that became memes. And one of them is after a Doug McDermott dunk, and he's like just gushing about how Doug McDermott is like the best dude in the world, and it was like really funny. That, that's really re- that's really nice. Yeah, had to throw it. In. <laughs> it was, was funny. Yeah, they played together fun. in Chicago. It was like, yep. what they played together. Yeah. He was like, "Yo, least athletic dude ever," and he caught a body. He was like, "How are you not gonna react to that?" <laughs> it's like Hazonia. <laughs> oh much. God! But he's on Portland, by the way. We didn't bring up Hazonia when we talked about the Trailblazers. I didn't. I yeah, I, know I, I consciously did not bring him up. Yeah, oh, I got God. an extensive look at him this year. You know what I decide? Not a positively impactful except for Maybe when he's he should have gone seen gone to see Messi. except for when he yeah. blocked lebron yes or i was gonna say unless when he plays point guard remember when he started a point guard for the Knicks for like four games and they won like three of them that was insane yeah, yeah they're right. like wait we need to stop this we're winning games <laughs> let's wrap this up real quick so let me just run through the win totals for our teams we talked about so for our up and coming i think we skipped some of the middle ones wait, so. you don't want to rip to the Knicks? no we'll get to the we'll just do a quick last five minutes on them or whatever um, up and coming teams, the Dallas Mavericks have a 40 and a half win total. I think that's a little high, to be honest. That means they're going to be 500. I don't know. I don't know if they're a 500 team in the Western Conference. Nonetheless, Atlanta Hawks, we said 34 and a half. And then for Frank's team, the New Orleans Pelicans, a pretty high 38 and a half, but could be, could be a reasonable number because they do have that mix of veterans and young guys and a few young guys who are now two, three, four years in which means they could be ready for a leap. Pretty interesting. Um, the middle of the pack teams, the Warriors over-under is 48.5. Based off of some of the conversations going on about the Warriors' chances to make the playoffs, that's pretty high. So that means Vegas is confident in the Warriors to, to win games. And uh, who is the other middle Where team? Where they're confident in your overconfidence. Ooh, fair. Also fair. Um, Brooklyn Nets, 44.5. And who I feel like I'm missing one. Who's the last middle one? The Kings. 37, Kings? No, 37 and a half. 37 and a half. All right, so last but not Wait, least. what was the Pelicans over-under? 38 and a half. Is a full game higher than the Kings over-under? That is correct. Yes, or sorry, Vegas I would take loves Zion. Well, Vegas knows people are going to bet on Zion also. Yeah. I would say yeah. I wish if I could do a bet like just head to head the way you can do for like Lakers Clippers. I feel like mm. that would be a good bet. You probably could if you show up to the actual fit, the sports book. They they make the odds for you. So look into it. You don't live Scary that. Points. You don't you don't live that far, Duff. All right. Last but not least, let's talk about the twenty six and a half over under total team, the New York Knicks, because we got to talk about them. And I think there is some intrigue there. I mean, there's two ways to look at their off season, right? First was they missed on Durant, they missed on Kyrie, they missed on all big-name free agents that they may have been interested in. So it was a complete failure. They're still the Knicks. They still stink. They're going to stink. They also didn't get Zion, and the Knicks stink. Then there is another way to look at the Knicks offseason, which is it's unfortunate they didn't get the number one pick and they didn't get Zion, but R.J. Barrett's still a positive player, and we think he has potential to be a really good guy. And Julius Randle is probably a pretty good signing. He has shown signs to be a 20-10 and 10 type guy, could be a pretty potent offensive player, has potential, is still young. And the rest of the guys they signed, a la Bobby Portis, Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton, are all practically on one-year deals or one-and-one one with team options. 
so they're not binding themselves moving forward. So where do you guys fall, and what are your intriguing points on the Knicks this year? Emotionally, uh, what you said first, just like basically a stack of freshly printed L's out of the printer (laughs) was handed to the Knicks very slowly this offseason. And as a fan, I felt every single one, like, pretty personally. Um, And it sucks, man. It really does. Everything I've been saying, like, I've been, like, very overly negative about the Knicks. And that's, like, sort of satirical. Like, I'm joking. But, like, at the same time, like, you know, jokes are rooted in truth, I guess, to some degree. You know, the rational side of me is, like, yeah, things to look like. I just want to watch a playoff basketball game for the team that I actually like. And uh, we're super far away from that still, so it's hard to get up personally. I'm excited to watch Kevin Knox. I'm really excited for him. I'm excited for Alonzo Trier, Mitchell Robinson. I'd say, yeah, I would say Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. That's really all I'm excited for. I feel like I had, like, really high expectations for Kevin Knox. Like, not that I don't anymore, but, like, I'm going to tamper my expectations. You know, temper them, whatever you, whatever the expression is. Yeah, temper your expectations. That's the right one. I don't know. Julius Randle will be fun. I think uh, Marcus Morris, he was yeah. on the Celtics for the past couple of years, so Knicks fans probably don't like him. But He'll probably he's... start a couple of fights. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just like a good culture dude to have on our team. Though. I yeah. really, I, I stand by the Morris brothers. Yeah, no, I, I think I would enjoy playing with the Morris brothers. They definitely play hard. Like they all, like Marcus Morris, when watching with the Celtics last year, when they had an issue with playing hard, he was him and Marcus Smart. The two Marcuses were definitely two guys who, when you watch them, you always saw them kind of go above and beyond and give extra effort and be like professionals, if that makes sense. But I'm not always sure if Marcus Morris's you know, goal of professionalism is rooted in the right purpose. Sometimes I watch him, and I, I don't know why I think this. It may be because I have a bad taste in my mouth about some of his just, like, inefficiencies in his playing career. I feel like he's trying to be the guy who tries hard rather than just trying hard. Does Like, does that make sense? Like, he's like he's almost putting on... He wants on... you to know that he is trying. Exactly. Hard. Like, he's the type of guy who's, like, grunting during sprints when you're running in high school, but he's, like clearly also not running as hard as he can. Like that's kind of just like a weird vibe I get with him and I don't know if it's fair or rooted in any truth there, but when I watch him I'm like, "Oh, he wants to be the tough guy who works really hard and tries really hard, but I don't know if he's actually that guy." I feel that actually I do. You know what I'm saying? Like I think everybody yeah. knows a guy like that in your like athletic career whether it be when you're 12 or you're 22. Like, there's people out there who want to be seen as the like the tough guy, the gritty guy, but realistically, they're they're kind of just not that guy. And I I kind of get that vibe with Marcus Morris. So I I don't know. But in regards to the other guys, I mean, Mitch Robinson is the most intriguing guy on the Knicks for me right now, because he has a chance to solidify himself as an absolutely awesome defender, a great rim runner, and if he can add anything else to his offensive game, like floaters because he has some weird touch like he has some good touch with finger rolls and some layups and stuff can he do anything with the ball in his hands can he pass a little bit like those things if they come to him he could be 
like near all-star level. That's how good he is as a defender and a rim runner. I think he is the biggest bright spot this season. Obviously, I think R.J. Barrett has higher potential long-term. But Mitchell Robinson, by far, is the guy that I just cannot wait to watch, and he's the person who gives me the most excitement by a long shot when it comes to the New York Knicks. I really don't want New York to give up on Kevin Knox. I don't want them to give up on Frank Nielkina. I'm not saying you guys in particular. I'm just saying. In general. No, I got you. No one talks Um, about it. Well, he had a really bad season last year. Like, he was extremely inefficient. Only statistically. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, eyeball test, he really, I felt like he did some stuff that was, that was good. I agree. He's got some moves. Like, he's got the size. I just feel like he's, he's kind of like a, he seems like a quiet dude who lacks some confidence. I I just wish he just kind of, you know, this is going to be bad. This is going to be a bad comparison. Especially if he if he turns out to be like really good, and actually this isn't an indictment on either, of them. but um he's like the Knicks version of Steven Matz, like the intangibles, left you throws ninety five has a big hook and can locate. I think he's like gonna be really good, but then like comes out and like, doesn't always perform up to expectations, or like rarely performs up to expectations, even though he had a good second half, Steven. Matz. Um, that's just the vibe I get from Kevin Knox. Well, yeah, Kevin Knox is six foot eight, has a stroke, can put the ball on the floor, but it, it didn't lead to anything last year. And exactly. you know what? I I, I just kind of thought about this too with him specifically, like because analytics are so strong in the NBA right now, and it, there's such an analytics presence around the league, even with fans, that hurts someone like Kevin Knox because when there's a bad team, someone's gonna get the shots, someone's gonna get the stats, whether they're good or bad. And if this was ten years ago. Kevin Knox's whatever it was, I don't know, 13 points per game or whatever, 12 and a half points per game it was, would be looked at as like, okay, he's a rookie. He averaged 12 points a game. Like, that's a good start. But that's because because an, yeah. analytics are so strong, it's like, oh, he's a rookie. He averaged 12 points, but his efficiency was really bad. So he stinks. And I think that hurts people like Knox where he wasn't in a position to succeed. You know, like he, he wasn't set up. He was set up for failure, basically, if we're talking about analytics. 100%. Why would he ever have positive analytics on one of the worst teams in the league? It just would never happen like that. The fact that Mitch Robinson had such positive analytics is why we're so excited about him on top of the eye test. Knox passes the eye test here and there, but the analytics set him back in the public eye. And it's not probably not fair, but it's something to look at when you're talking about the future for him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, my very last point, uh, I'm going to toot my horn for a hot second, but after the summer league last year, I was Mitchell Robinson, DeAndre Jordan, but better. And then the Knicks got DeAndre Jordan for a little bit, and he taught him a little bit of stuff. And now, like, it's, it's happening. Yeah, and it's I mean that guys. dude goes up and gets balls in the air and puts them on people's heads. Like, oh my, his God. his alley oop game is top notch. Oh my god, top freaking notch. Him him and Chris Paul together in Lob City would have been just as fun. Yeah, for real, for real. All right, so we got we got to close out. We got a little long there, as we we tend to do sometimes. But we had fun. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about ten NBA teams with some ancillary stuff that popped up throughout our conversations. But we touched on ten, and obviously we're gonna go deep deeper into the Knicks when we do a Knicks preview episode. We're gonna talk about the Clippers and the Lakers. 
and um, the the Bucks and the Sixers and the Celtics. These teams are not to be forgotten. We wanted to give you guys a taste of some of the things that excited us the most about the NBA season. So there it was. That was it. The most intriguing teams, according to John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and Pete Kennedy. But now it's time for us to say goodbye on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So as I like to do, any last words, John Lucas Duffy? Uh, let's go Nets. Oh, nah, let's go Sixers. Oh Jesus, <laughs> terrible last let's go words. Sixers, man, I I got to sneak it in somehow. So that was terrible last words. They get but... the biggest. They get the biggest starting five in the NBA. I think. I think. Uh, their wingspan is over 35 feet in their starting five. Maybe next uh, next podcast we could do most intriguing player stories and just talk about Ben Simmons if he's going to shoot or not for an hour. Or Markel mm-hmm. Fultz. Or Markel Fultz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I or swear to indirectly, God, directly divert attention away. <laughs> I almost picked the Magic just to talk about Markel Ooh. We'll talk. We'll talk I about him. We'll talk, we're going to do an over-under podcast, Eastern Conference, Western Conference split up, as we do, which is always one of the most fun pods of the year, or two pods, I guess, if you want to look at it like that. Uh, and we'll talk about every single team. So we'll have our chance to talk about Markel Fultz. And, Magic are kind of sneaky. And I was, I was going to get to you. So, um, Frank, any last words? <laughs> I, got, I got three of them. He motherfucking Alonzo. Yeah. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, Pete Alonzo, shout out to him. I should have. Oh, actually, you know what? I didn't record the intro yet. So I'll do a little quick Pete Alonzo shout out in the intro. Um, Awesome stuff for the Mets uh, to have Pete Alonzo on their team. And also 86 wins. Respectable. Meaningful baseball. Classic Mets to have like a potential back to back Cy Young winner and then rookie of the year who broke the record for most home runs by a rookie and then still don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Before the season. I said I want meaningful baseball in September, and we did get that. So hey, steps in yeah, the right direction. Yeah, we to be more specific if we ask. Yeah, I want to make the playoffs next year. Okay? Playoffs next year is definitely the goal. That's that's not up for debate. That's the goal now. Um, anyway, Sports Blog New York podcast. John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank you guys always for listening. It means the world to us. Shout us out on Twitter at SportBlogNYC. Mine's at PKennedy2Ys or at NBA underscore Outsiders. We're going to get that account back up and running when the season takes place. So thank you all for listening. And my final word is...